1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
2: Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no
3: time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation.
2: Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's going on,
3: guys? Welcome to Top Rope Nation, your source for the best in pro wrestling talk. This is episode 109 of the Top Rope Nation podcast. My name is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com here with uh, kyle ross justin joint as always and guys it's only been a couple of days since we talked we just did a top rope nation classics like what two days ago already back on the air so uh, i mean i'm gonna i'm still gonna check in with you and see what's going on but uh, and then justin i saw you over the weekend so i feel like we've seen each other or talked to each other a lot lately so what's been going on with you justin the last two days
0: seen and talked a lot but it's still not enough
3: that's true. That is true. I had a good time on uh, Friday night with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I felt it Saturday morning.
3: <laughs> As did I. As did I. Looking forward to Kyle Excuse- Ross joining us next Excuse year. me. <laughs> <laughs> Justin and I were at the uh, Hall of Fame proceedings, which we'll talk about here in uh, just a little bit. Kyle, what's going on in your neck of the woods? I'd just like to say that I never get you two guys confused. <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback there to an uh, off-air comment check the patreon live stream guys if, you, if you're if you one of our patrons you can see what he was talking about uh no we, I'll, uh,
1: I'll say this though too you talked about how we just did the top rope nation classic episode patrons only i miss talking about 1992 wcw already is what i really miss because man does 2019 right i look i know that nothing's perfect 1992 wcw had its issues mainly it didn't make a lot of money but man (laughs) uh a lot more fun to talk about i
3: feel yeah that was a good show guys uh check it out on our patreon page 100 minutes 100 minutes on uh, wcw super brawl 2 you can listen at patreon.com slash top rope nation you can hear the first 10 minutes on our regular podcast feeds get a little teaser of uh, what the show sounds like And uh, as I've been talking about here on the podcast the last uh, few weeks, I guess probably over a month, uh, I actually just got it in the mail today. We are giving away a San Diego Comic Con exclusive Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim themed uh, WWE Elite figure. And I got to say, guys, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I saw the pictures of it, but it doesn't do it justice. Very cool in person. We're going to give that away free of charge. We're going to do a raffle in august for our patreon members so um this figure guys it's going for over double its value on ebay right now i just checked a little bit ago so you're gonna get a good deal uh if you win because you're getting it free uh basically the rules are that uh for every five dollars you've given the show and patronage this year you'll get one raffle ticket in the drawing uh so for example if you've been a member on patreon for three months at the five dollar tier your name will be in there three times if you join Simply in August then you join the $20 tier, the name will be in there four times. It goes from your yearly contributions. Uh, we'll be doing the drawing here in a couple of weeks. So uh, go ahead and sign up now so you get all the bonus content while you're waiting for the drawing. Try out the Patreon page here, Top Rope Nation Classics. Uh, like I said, that we recorded the other night on Super Brawl, plus all the other editions of Top Rope Nation Classics, as well as Top Rope Nation Extra. Uh, where we review the pay-per-view shows we'll be doing one on SummerSlam here in a couple weeks that will be patreon only uh so you get all this bonus content with your raffle ticket i mean just think of it as you're buying a raffle ticket to get an extremely rare figure and you'll have a pretty good chance of winning guys it's not like we have hundreds of patrons on patreon so um your percentage chance is going to be pretty high if you sign up and the added caveat is you get all this bonus content we give you each and every week, so it's it's a good chance to try out our Patreon page, see that we are working hard for all the listeners, and uh, get to know us a little bit better. So um, yeah, check that out. And also, if uh, you are listening to our regular feed here and you're on Apple Podcasts, as always, hit subscribe, leave us a five star rating, or leave us a written review. We'll read it on the air. We did get a five star review that came in the other day. No written review to re- read on the air, but uh, we appreciate the five star review. Uh, Same thing goes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, the ratings always help us out. And if you want to read a little bit more about the show and about us, topropenation.com. So guys, on the agenda tonight, as I look down um, our Google Doc, which we also share out on Patreon every week, number one, Kyle, as you wrote, Mysteries in Wrestling. You want to introduce this one for the listeners?
1: Yeah, it seemed to kind of be the talk of Twitter or just the internet wrestling community in general today is a couple mysteries that two different promotions have. And I wanted to talk about them both conceptually as ideas and logistically uh, kind of where it's going, who it'll be in at least one of the, I guess, both cases. We'll start with AEW, who announced today, a six-man tag for its TNT debut. It'll be Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against Chris Jericho, who could be the first AEW champion going to that show, and not one, but two mystery partners. So I would like to ask to you guys, how do we feel about having not one, but two mystery partners on a first show? And does at least one of them have to be big, i.e., known to the casual audience. Go ahead, Justin.
0: It should. One of them should be a, a well known name. Uh, however, my first thought was that, you know, it was going to be a tag team, some a tag team to bring in to challenge the Young Bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought maybe Lucha Bros, but I, I feel like that's probably going to be culminating at All Out. Um, And I don't, it just, I don't know what big names there are out there that they could bring in to really spice things up. You know, I don't know if there's anybody whose contract is expiring soon that they can sign before then. But um, yeah, I mean, for their first show, best case scenario for both them and, you know, the casual fan is a well known name.
3: You need their Lex Luger moment, right?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, Uh, interesting. Lex Lugers can walk around in malls, but they do not grow on trees. (laughs) Yes. I think it's important to know because to Justin's point, you know, obviously. So first of all, shame on myself. I never thought of the tag team idea. Today, which I, as soon as Justin mentioned, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, that would make sense. Um, it kind of limits your pool, but, um, in terms of like a solitary big name, everyone is like on this CM Punk train again. Mm-hmm. Because the interview like you know him and Cody have had this back and forth about you know how exactly or if exactly a, a real offer was made. and then like it was like, oh, if they're like doing this, it's an angle clearly you know, and that comes from with being a wrestling fan, but um what, what do you think right? Who, who could the people be?
3: Let's speculate a little bit who could it be so yeah lucha brothers is what everyone was talking about right away um, but i kind of agree with justin that would be that's not what they need like it yeah it'd be a good match but they need something that like gets headlines and so who's and- available you know their their contracts reportedly don't expire until next year so it looks like it can't be the revival and you know, that was the first thing i thought of on the tag team they supposedly haven't re-signed with wwe but uh the, the reports i've heard is that they're signed through like mania uh, we know the Usos re-signed with WWE. And it would not be a bit good idea to bring them in with the uh, arrest. Yeah. right. And now. we, kn- we know Dallas and Anderson re-signed too. Yeah, that would be a bad look. Um, I think one thing they could do um, is if they did work out uh, a sharing agreement, a talent exchange agreement with New Japan, is um, you know, they could bring in like two guys from the Bullet Club to go against the old Bullet Club guys uh we know jericho all these guys have worked in japan and uh that would be a good you know going back to their past it's not going to get like the general audience excited but it'll, it'll get the hardcore excited now um i think it was cody today mentioned in an interview that they're going to be booking more for that hardcore audience though than they are the general audience so if that's if that's their direction i think you know you bring in two old Bullet Club guys, that could be interesting. Or even just two random New Japan people. Uh, that could be interesting. But, uh, I mean, obviously, to get two people jumping from WWE would be best case scenario for them uh, on that first TNT show.
0: Can you guys agree that you know, this isn't the time where you, where you would bring in a CM Punk or a Pac to be part of some six-man match? Especially to be like one half of a mystery uh, partner?
1: I would bring in CM Punk. I think, and I think if you can do it, you you would do it.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. You bring him in. You'd put him there though, as one third of a team. That's how you debut CM Punk.
1: See, I mean, I think here's the thing: Are you looking at this as a match or an angle to debut someone new? Like that's the thing. Like if you bring in CM Punk it's less about the match and it's more that you're bringing in CM Punk. And why is CM Punk there? Is he there by God? He doesn't like Kenny Omega. And it just kind of like, and the match itself becomes secondary to the debut. See, hmm. I, I think the Lucha Bros, I, I I see no reason why you would do a mystery angle and deliver the Lucha Bros.
0: Yeah. No, I, I don't think he can do that. That's an yeah. automatic letdown. And for everybody.
1: another thing too, that they, it's interesting the comments Ryan just shared. Okay. And I I think um, if that's the direction they want to go, I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's just going to be interesting to um, evaluate moving forward. If they're just kind of going, if they're aiming to please their built-in audience rather than kind of chasing the galloping ghost, you know, like, Oh God, we, we got to bring back this person from the past that these people who might be flipping through the channels would see and get excited about. Right. You know, I mean, it, word of mouth is the way this is going to build, I guess, not just, you know, people randomly flipping through and seeing this, you know, people they're familiar with. Um, So you cannot do like a term. Like they can't have so, like Cody's not in the match, but I'm just using this as, as a hypothetical. Like you can't have like MJF, turn and like become a heel like on this. You couldn't have him like turn on Cody because to people that are watching, it would just have no impact. I think like, I think you're serving two masters regardless of what Cody said. You, the show does need to please your built in audience, but you also have to be kind of take an introductory tact to the audience you want to build. You know, and that WWE struggles with that all the time, right? Because there's a hardcore audience and a casual audience. So they kind of s- struggle to please both masters.
0: So uh, what about Enzo and Cass?
1: Somebody said that and I, phew, that's.
0: <laughs>
3: that would be cringe worthy like, for me. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, here's the thing. <laughs> it would be surprising
3: people remember them Is
1: it from, but I don't think it would be good like Enzo and Cass just to me kind of have that ugh, yeah to them. so I, I saw somebody mention that on Twitter like they, they're like I will be in tears if it's Enzo and Cass like sarcastically
3: <laughs> yeah I, w- I would bring in Punk if they could get Punk I would bring him in for this because I mean look by the time October runs around or comes around I should say He's been out of wrestling for almost six years. So if he's gonna wrestle right away, you put him in a six man where he doesn't have to do a lot. You know, you're not risking putting him in a singles match as a surprise or something right off the bat. So it, it'd be Get a off. good way to like slowly introduce him back in. And I don't think the this would be it would probably be used, like Kyle said, to establish a feud. Like it wouldn't be about these six men then feuding, but it, it would probably make like a Kenny. Uh, punk feud or something out of this yeah, I mean
1: I mean it depends. I mean what is your goal here? is the yeah. goal to have this like blow away main event or is the goal to do an angle to build interest for future happenings? Mm-hmm. I think that's the key here to analyze I want to talk about this um conceptually for a second you know we could speculate all day on that, who could it be, but we'll find out soon enough. What do you think about on your first show doing a mystery partner, and in, in this case,
3: partners' angle? I think the fact Is that this, we're we're talking about it proves it's a good idea. I mean, we're leading yeah, little, the show with it.
1: Okay, well, it, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, it also helped that there was another mystery, and you know, I just like lumping things together for the sake of our show notes. But no, I, I just, yeah, it, it came together. I mean, like, would it be? A better idea to, you know, whether it be a title match or Kenny versus somebody just to basically say, hey, these are our two big stars, build them up over the course of your two hours and have them wrestle rather than, well, folks, we don't know who's going to be in this main event. Stay tuned. Is one of those options better than the other necessarily in a conceptual basis?
3: I don't know. It depends it depends what the goals are. I think I think the mystery thing might get more people to tune in out of curiosity, especially when you consider like what kind of rumors are gonna be out there with the names. But uh I don't know. What do you think, Justin?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I see both your guys' points, but I do think I just think the the mystery component will uh maybe bring in a few more people, but Either I think either way you do it, just the excitement of the first show is is why people are going to watch to you know to really see it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you have a built-in audience already. Um, If this is promoted well by TNT, you should get some curiosity factor. So,
3: yeah, I mean we shall see. Yeah. So, the other mystery uh, going on this week comes out of SmackDown with uh, what happened with Roman Reigns and uh, his possible opponent for SummerSlam. So, uh, if you didn't see it, Reigns was scheduled to issue a challenge for someone to face him at SummerSlam at the end of the show. Uh, They cut to the back. There wasn't much time left. Like, I was watching the clock. Like, are they going to get this in? Uh, They show him walking down the hallway to be interviewed and as he gets there like these, which it is an
1: angle they never show ever
3: they also did like you see like six camera cuts in three seconds or something like that it was pretty oh, crazy we'll get to that um but yeah i don't know where like these three it almost looked like lighting rigs or something fell on him you know everyone panics one of the camera guys drops the camera everyone runs over he's okay and got a uh
1: Pritchard sighting
3: yeah. Bruce Pritchard kind of came off from the right-hand side when they were at the faraway camera for a second. Um, and uh, <laughs> I guess just to throw it around the horn here, Justin, what did you think of this when you watched
0: it? It was one of the cheesiest things I've ever seen. It, it was like the, it, just I, I immediately kind of wanted to compare it to the uh, moment with Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman where That was so well done and felt natural. You didn't have like six cameras that would just seem to be randomly placed inside that little electrical room. Um, You did have the one that was high up above that you never see during an actual show. But uh, I think that just added to it. And so this was just bad. I didn't get the, I mean, I get the point of it to set up, you know, who did it. But I mean, that thing obviously drops right on top of Roman Roman Reigns from one camera angle and then just he just is kind of casually tosses the thing to the side and seems completely fine or just yeah cheesy <laughs>
3: kyle okay
1: yeah so the like i kind of mentioned uh, at the outset the whole thing so i was behind so i already knew what was going to happen so i i can't say for sure That I would have been like angle alert, but that camera angle of just him walking to the inner backstage towards Caleb Rexon, they never show that. So that was kind of like, almost like, wait a minute, what? I mean, I I guess, you know, it's easy to say with the benefit of hindsight that you then knew something was coming when you see that. Um, not,
0: Not only that, but the fact that it wasn't him going to the ring to announce it. They were they were going to end the show with a backstage interview. So yes, they, that's
1: yeah. true. Yeah, Um, and poor I feel for Kayla Braxton. They put her in a completely unnecessary situation where she had to overact. Yeah, true. No, that's not. That's actually not fair to her. Um Did anyone else have flashbacks with with the camera cuts and the and the different views of Roman's facial reaction to halftime heat? <laughs> Remember that preposterous camera angle we got of the rock's face like what did mick foley like pin him with in that wasn't it like it was one of those like wooden pallets what do you call those things yeah he, he are, like, used like warehouses
3: uh, yeah he used like the truck or whatever yeah and he used a forklift to put yeah, in. and put it yeah. The, yeah and the
1: overhead camera like showed rock's face and remember and you can see this if you're watching it was wrong. yeah Like it was super cheesy, but you know, WWE is hot, never kind of looked past it at the time. Like, that's what I had visions of when I saw this. Like, it was so unnatural to have all those camera cuts.
3: I always think I'm not, I'm sorry, organic or real at all. Yeah, I always, I've said this on the show before, I referenced this one, but whenever that stuff happens, I always think of King of the Ring 97 on the pre show. Uh, when uh <laughs> Brian Pillman and Austin were fighting backstage, and Austin takes Pillman to the bathroom to give him the Swirly, and they camera cuts to a camera right above the toilet, like they just happened to have a camera right that's above right. the toilet. Yeah, the yeah we had
1: Swirly cam. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. The ending. Justin kind of talked about this too. What do we think about like Roman? And, and did this? I don't know if you could say it's fair to say it killed Angle, but like he just kind of like dusts himself off, and he's like,
0: I'm okay, man. Yeah, I mean, he basically no-sold it.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, yeah, it was just like, okay, am I supposed to be? So I guess that moves to the next point here. I guess Roman still is wrestling at SummerSlam, and the whole point of this is, well, we're supposed to be like, who was this man? You know, who did this to him? And they're going to announce that person and then do the match on a one-week build?
3: Because all that seems real odd. I guess. Yeah, like you said, the fact that he was okay kind of makes you think it's not a big deal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, so, I don't know about you guys, but I was, after Raw was over, I was like, Jesus, you know, Roman Reigns, who everyone on the internet tells me is the most overpushed wrestler of all time, shoved down our throats. uh, You know, I'm like, this guy's got no match for the biggest party of the summer. By the way, Braun Strowman doesn't either. or Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Think about that for a second, folks. So when the angle first hit, I'm like, okay, they're they're writing him off SummerSlam. I was thinking it may, may I'm like, hey, maybe he's gonna promote Hobbs and Shaw, you know, mm-hmm. and he's gonna just not work SummerSlam. But then he dusts himself off, and I'm like, all right, well, he's he's okay. Like, right. are we are we gonna do this where the person reveals himself next week? It could be a her, I guess, but then they can't do a match. Um and we're just going to do it on
3: a five-day build? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not traditional wrestling booking. That's for sure. No. Um, okay,
1: let's talk about who, you, who yeah, we, who think, we it think might it is? be.
3: Because a, a lot of people uh, I'm initially... Gonna poop
1: in the, I'm going to poop in the soup. So you say... Right. A lot of people initially
3: were thinking... And the one that would seem to make sense would be Samoa Joe. Because they've recently been feuding. And I mean shit they just had a match last week though on raw Where so joe lost clean yeah so <laughs> uh s- someone noticed um i think brian campbell of cbs i retweeted his tweet he noticed that was the first person i saw noticed that as Reigns was walking down the hallway uh you could see buddy murphy in the distance and so that's that's kind of started up the rumors or at least that's where I saw him start that maybe it was Buddy yeah. Murphy and we're gonna have a buddy Murphy uh Roman reigns match out of nowhere. go ahead and uh take it to the soup here, Kyle <laughs> okay. I get that we saw
1: it was clearly Buddy Murphy walking in the shadows yeah um as the show faded to black. but I think that was a case of Buddy Murphy was just kind of walking <laughs> like where the camera was I Look, God bless. I love Buddy Murphy. Okay. I, there's, there was a time on this podcast. Uh, honestly, I believe it was around this time last year where I laid down a list of his tremendous matches on 205 Live. Wasn't that? It was about this time last year. He had that killer with uh, Ali, mm-hmm. which was as good as any match in WWE last year, by the way. Um, I cannot see them putting Buddy Murphy in that spot. And, Furthermore, I know people are saying, Oh man, Buddy's gonna get shot. If they do, it's okay. They can have a good match. There's a lot of people who could have a good match with Roman Reigns. Buddy could maybe have a better one than most. But I mean, do you see them putting Buddy Murphy over Roman Reigns? Do you see them elevating Buddy Murphy to a main event position?
0: I don't do you really would...
1: see any of that happening?
0: No, but that that doesn't elevate him to a main event position. Just like if he like. Pulls a win out of his ass at SummerSlam. Then at do you least... think
3: they're gonna do that? Maybe. <laughs> For, I, mean, I mean, look how they Cole. debuted Kevin Owens years ago. With yeah, Cena. There you go. It's possible. I don't I mean, I wouldn't bet on it. Looking <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the reaction on Kyle's face right now. But
0: if they if they do that, you instantly Oh, make I ain't got Buddy that Murphy. much power
1: anymore as he did in 2015. <laughs>
0: You you instantly make Buddy Murphy into somebody if you do that.
1: Yeah. Would the crowd ex- we all love Buddy Murphy on this show and if you don't love Buddy Murphy you're wrong, quite frankly, out there in listener land.
3: But nobody knows how to retain listeners like Kyle Ross. <laughs> What's that? Nobody knows how to retain listeners like Kyle Ross. <laughs> I speak the truth. Okay. You get the cold hard truth on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, do you think like what do you
1: think that would be met with? Like from that live crowd next week, if it's Buddy Murphy, I it's think like, it's oh, a hey, hot here's reaction.
3: A... I and mean, you're no. talking to SummerSlam, that's a traveling crowd, you're yeah, gonna have hardcores there. You wait, where SummerSlam, you're gonna have you, you, I, I wait, think... Summer, gonna ha- you get a well, yeah, hot but what about reaction. next week on TV? Oh, at the reveal, well, maybe they don't reveal it till SummerSlam, you know, who knows? But I think the what SummerSlam crowd, which is the, the key point, is how they react for the match itself. I think, I think the audience there would be hot for it.
0: I mean. Is there? Do they have any inspiring options?
1: That's the thing. So, like, what's the like? So, what? How did I phrase this in our notes, patrons? Hold on with me here, okay? Um, you know, what will be the eventual payoff here? Is this just like okay? Somebody had it in for Roman, and they're just gonna get their ass handed to him in a match? (laughs) It's not like a very like. So, if that's just kind of what it ends up being, then honestly, there's no point in speculating because it's just not a very inspiring direction like oh hey we're just going to find a way to have a guy wrestle Roman Reigns
0: that's why Buddy Murphy is inspiring like even if even if like he at least just has a competitive match with with Roman Reigns the SummerSlam and still loses he's still at least somebody now you know,
1: has great Wrestling come to this? <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're doing? Give Buddy Murphy just a chance on this card so we can have a good match with this guy and lose and hopefully people start liking him.
0: I mean, I just don't know who else it could be that wouldn't be like way more disappointing than Buddy Murphy. I mean, Samoa Joe was mentioned. That was the first name that popped in my mind. Daniel
1: Bryan is not. I mean, but yeah, it, it I it feels that he has a separate storyline,
3: right?
0: Unless like they is, somehow
3: is, weave Roman Reigns into that narrative of yeah. his big announcement, but yeah.
0: Well, maybe. His big announcement
3: you know? is, I'm going to kill Roman Reigns.
0: Yeah, yeah. His next step in his career is his attempted murder.
3: Well, he could go way back, and they could start talking about how he could somehow work in, like, Reigns oh, stole his <laughs> boy, or <are> something. You... <laughs> you know? Oh, I, like, I'd love, I'd love to see Ryan that...
1: Troste in that booking meeting this week.
3: No, I'm telling you though, like isn't that? I mean, I know this is years ago at this point and I'm I'm not saying this is what they're going to do, a but it's story you're telling. but no, like if they're like, all right, let's somehow get Reigns and Brian together. How do we do it? Well, obviously the thing everyone was talking about years ago was that they continued to push Roman while Brian was catching fire. That was the big thing that all the wrestling fans are talking about in 2014. Okay. <laughs> right? So, if they wanted to if this is like a match they want to do, there is a backstory that they could bring back and do it now to do it on one week's notice would be not good. I don't think now, like you can look at what they've done with Kofi and Orton and how they brought back 2009. That's been great, but they've also been building it up for a few weeks to do it in one week. I think would be a little difficult, but they could, it's possible. So Kyle, you're not impressed.
1: No, no, I I think, no, see, when I was like, oh, I'd love to see you pitch that. Like, it's a, it's actually a, a wonderful story you're telling here. I just... And you did make the point that, hey, you know, w- what kind of maybe make the faces you did bring up? Well, they have gone to the past, certainly with this Orton-Kofi build. So, you know, because when you initially mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm sure they're going to bring that up. You know, and talk, go to their past. But, you know, they, they've shown that they can. Um, I just, I don't know. To me... <laughs> God, was that just the execution of that angle was so, so cheesy, just from the whole camera cuts, um, you know, kind of the overacting involved and then Roman just like getting up and dusting himself off. He's like, Oh yeah, man, I'm cool.
3: Yeah. I, I also thought it was pretty, boring, which I guess yeah. is
1: better than uh, Paul. I can't feel my legs, but uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I guess I'll probably take this than, <laughs> over that. <laughs>
3: Um, Paul, yeah. I
1: can't feel my legs. Was that the lowest moment in the history of Monday Night Raw? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe television in general?
3: HLA or uh, Katie Vick might have something to say about that, but it's close. Oh, by the way,
1: both of those things are on a list. Uh, speaking of our patrons, uh, we did announce on our Super Bowl 2 coverage show that our next Top Rope Classic will be Backlash Show 2. Oh, yeah. I bring this up because I'm currently compiling a list. Of all the things from 2002 that just piss me off
3: (laughs) in WWE. You know Kyle has like a spreadsheet started. And
1: (laughs) And both of those things are on there. Katie Vick and quote, that stupid face Eric Bischoff would make when he would talk about hot lesbian action. (laughs) Remember? He like had this stupid face like hot lesbian action. He would do this. Oh my God.
3: The only thing good about that was the guy you see in the front row. At the top left corner of the crowd. Because that was none other than myself at that show. Talking about Eagle Mania. Oh, my goodness. Go back. <laughs> turn on the WWE Network. You'll see myself okay. in the front row. Feeling good about myself. Only to come home to an email from Justin Joint in September 2002 that says, Dude, that was the worst Raw I've ever seen. <laughs> there were a lot of bad ones in that period. And he, was, he was not wrong. Yes, it was yeah. bad. So, um, speaking of bad, do you want to go to this... Well- Point two. Well, yeah, I was
1: going to say, you, you know what else <laughs> wasn't good? was Raw in September of 03. On that note... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you bashing Bill Goldberg? Actually had nothing to do with Bill Goldberg, the futility of Raw in 03, but I digress.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the next item on our show notes is that uh Dolph Ziggler and the Miz is booked for SummerSlam, but according to Uncle Dave Meltzer... That is not the match that is going to be happening, uh, as he put it, as a quote, "red herring." Which, when Justin threw that out in our text earlier, I was like, "What is he talking about?" Until I, until I read the story on it, that that is like a placeholder match, and that Dolph will not actually be wrestling the Miz, and that Dolph also will not be wrestling Shawn Michaels, which, as SmackDown played out, you would have thought might be a possibility, but apparently, the rumor now is ziggler versus bill goldberg because he has been bashing goldberg in some of his promos of late
2: (sighs) and
3: goldberg wants to get the bad taste out of his mouth from that match with the undertaker much like the undertaker did yes um so yeah, the Would WWE is now, a, is now a is now a culpa promotion for old divers. <laughs> hey guys, We're, I know hey, this is like one old- of your biggest shows of the year, but uh, I just I got to wrestle again, guys. Can you get me on the card? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, you know, I let's. I'm fair is fair, okay. I mean, they you know they let the Undertaker do. I mean, Lord knows the Undertaker. I mean, you know, when you fail, keep try, try again. I mean, this guy had how many stinkers in a row on pay per view, and then he finally had the good one at Extreme Rules. But is that what we've come to? <laughs> hey, old guys, if you stunk it up the last time, don't worry. We'll just go. Come- We'll just give you another shot.
3: <laughs> and have we come to Dolph Ziggler taking on Bill Goldberg on the second or third biggest pay-per-view of the year? Who cares? Who would who would honestly be into that match whatsoever? Anybody? I mean, I, I mean, think Dolph HBK would be cool. I'd be into that. But this is just uh, see. I'm taking a different tact
1: to me. I, I don't care if it's Dolph versus Miz, although to be fair, uh Miz badly. Does need a major win to be rehabbed as a babyface after essentially losing that Shane feud. I mean, what do we think about this booking of Miz? Okay. You could say we all agree. I think he's a natural heel. There's no disputing that, but he was brought to Raw and turned babyface because of the TV show, right? I mean, I think that's pretty much accepted at this juncture. And he was getting some cheers anyway late last year. Um, Was that like a USA call and WWE resents it? Because I don't know how else to explain the booking of Miz in 2019. He's positioned as poorly as he's been in years. I mean, seriously, I mean, I was thinking about this today. I almost think this feels like USA is like, hey, you know, we got the Miz and we want Miz to, you know, I can just see him going to Vince. We want Miz to be a good guy on our show. And like Vince maybe like didn't really want to do it, but he had to acquiesce.
3: I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, got the tinfoil hat on, but. No, I can't explain it either. I mean, we've, we've praised The Miz so much on this show in the past. The and, Miz uh, was yeah. always kind of a protected guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, he,
1: he was at a certain level and he, he he's lower than he's been in years. But getting back to the point of, you know, Dolph and whether it's Miz, Goldberg or HBK, Dolph Ziggler. I don't give a damn what anyone says should not be working the biggest party of the summer. This guy stinks. He's played out. And imagine any other time as I texted you guys this earlier today, any other time in the history of this business that you would see a guy do a 17 second job on a pay-per-view. And then the next month we're supposed to take this guy with one iota of seriousness. Give me a break.
0: Well, that's that's kind of the silver lining is, you know, maybe getting to see Dolph Ziggler get nuked in two straight pay-per-views. <laughs> really that send him on his and,
3: way. yeah. And that's why
1: Goldberg would actually maybe be the best option because, you know, the match would be kept short. It would be spear jackhammer over. Bring him back. Bring him back, Vince, one more time. Now I've talked myself into it. I need oh, to see it now.
3: No way. <laughs>
1: I mean, honestly, I don't think Bill at this stage of his career can carry Dolph anymore. <laughs> That's a great line. Great line. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I mean, in the notes, if you're, and you see this, I have written Dolph versus Goldberg versus SummerSlam question mark. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just, on a bloated card, do you need that? Like, and again, here's the thing, too, fans. What, what did we just talk about with Roman Reigns? They're going to put this on with, on a one week build. Same thing here. One week build. What are we doing?
0: Okay, but does does Goldberg Dolph does that drawn a lot of people? I mean, how long of a build does I mean? Does no, that do I guess not. I, I mean, like.
3: I mean, I don't know like, those five hundred dollar floor seats that haven't sold yet. That, I think that's the tipping point right there. I get some okay. sold. I just. <laughs> well, you know what.
1: Uh, Now, fair is fair. Okay. I know you guys were not nearly as into it as I was. And to be honest, I ham it up a little bit for you. But, you know, it was Toronto where, you know, Goldberg came back and that showed, you know, and that show did good business. Survivor Series 2016.
3: For the time, I mean, Mm -hmm. it didn't do like, you know, WrestleMania 17 numbers, but I mean, you know. Check the archives. We reviewed it at the time here on Top Rope Nation. God, I would. I may. I may watch that match again tonight. That is one of the greatest matches I believe in modern WWE
1: history. Just seeing Brock Lesnar squashed in ninety seconds.
0: You know, and I got to say, just like having Dolphin Goldberg at SummerSlam. You'd mentioned uh, the bloated card, which it is. Uh, this yeah. is actually this is actually the perfect match for, for a bloated card because it doesn't need to be long. All, it's you're just it, there for the Goldberg pop and to, you know, to get his shine back.
3: Damn, this Justin joint selling me on this match. I don't I, know. Yeah. Yeah. That's I
0: suppose. Stuff. I mean, well, just
3: with all my heart and soul,
0: what's the old, would you rather see a 10 minute Miz and Dolph match that we've seen, you know, a hundred times?
3: No, that would be <laughs> or, last on my list. I, I think there's more story with if they could talk Sean to come back for the match, I, but I, uh, I don't think I want to see that either. I'd want to see him more than Goldberg, personally. Uh, I I think for the reason Justin
1: laid out that it would be short. I I, I think that wins. Dolph's the match isn't going to be a classic against anybody. Not with Dolph. Contrary to popular belief, he has never stolen the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of right, SmackDown rewrite, should we move to that? Oh, that's why you're the man and the host. Look at that matter. segue. Phenomenal segue, yes. <laughs> it just come to me. I didn't even plan that. Uh, reported, uh, Vince McMahon on short notice rewrote, personally rewrote SmackDown this week. And uh, as I look through the itinerary of the show here, this is, uh, Kyle, this is your longest section of notes here what did they possibly change well we know obviously they didn't change that orton kofi video package which uh justin was raving about in our text thread and uh rightfully so rightfully so very good um they didn't change the trish stratus stuff with jerry lawler because that was advertised in advance um so what do we think the roman thing uh thoughts here kyle yeah, the main
1: event, I mean, because they kept changing it during the day. I don't know if you yeah. guys were following that on Twitter. Originally, it was going to be a six-man with the OC against the New Day. And then it just became one-on-one with AJ and Kofi. Um, so that was added late. And yeah, I mean, was this Roman thing added late? Uh, other than that, if you go through SmackDown, okay, a lot of the stuff that took place on that program seemed fairly logical. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had a continuation of Finn and Bray. Uh, the stuff you mentioned was obviously set up ahead of time because Trish and Lawler were advertised the night before in Raw, the Orton Kofi pre tape, um, Ali Nakamura. Okay. It's a trope that I don't like where we just have like the challenger win a non title match to set up a title match. But obviously that. Yeah, that, that seemed like a logical thing to have in there. I mean, it didn't seem like something. Oh, my God, we have to have Ali beat Nakamura in a non-title match. Really? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like something you would throw in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, other I think other than like the last 20 minutes of the show, it didn't really feel like anything was like, oh, wow, this, this really came out of left field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, maybe Vince looked at the show and was like, this doesn't have a a main event type or a big hook is, you know, cause that's what Vince, I mean, you know, Vince isn't going to focus on the middle of the card. And we do know that the SmackDown women's tag title picture again, um, got the shaft, so to speak. That was pushed aside. Cause we had been told last week there was going to be a match. So Sasha a was ma- right. huh? Sasha was right.
3: Look what's happened to the women's tag team titles. <laughs> yeah
1: yes it's a disaster yeah it's a, and it's not just that it's on the iconics it's just i mean they're just not important i mean imagine being someone
3: who thought like getting women's tag titles was going to Oh we yeah we said it. that i mean we said that uh, on the podcast at the time just cuz there wasn't enough teams to you know make it interesting
1: well and, and here's the thing too what we also said in that discussion
3: of all the things that
1: ail the WWE is not having enough titles one of them <laughs> No, Have you seen the SummerSlam 2019 card recently? I mean, good grief. Um, so, yeah. I, you know what this is a product of? It, and I and I was thinking of this, and I just kind of wanted to lob a softball over Justin's way. You know, this isn't the first time we've heard news of, you know, a rewriting of SmackDown. And, and I think it goes beyond just Vince. It's this wild card thing, man. Because it gives... I guess Vince, but whomever, just more options. You know, this is another bad effect of the wildcard rule. It's like, oh, well, this happened on Raw, and now we can do it on here. I'm telling you, anyone who knows a writer in this company, okay? And, you know, I know JR wants to go on his podcast and talk about balls and thimbles. Okay, hit the bricks, JR, with that. All right? these, These people, believe it or not, these writers, they do plan these shows out multiple weeks in advance and they generally have them written days in advance, but Vince changes them at the last minute. And the wild card rule just makes it way worse on this SmackDown group. And SmackDown, the, the road dog quit over it because he would advertise things, which you're supposed to do on a weekly program. And they would get bumped And he would get pissed, rightfully so. I mean, it looks bad. I don't, okay, the Mandy, I think we can all agree, the Mandy Rose, Sonia DeVille promo that we got last week did not exactly evoke memories of Bret Hart's heel turn the night after WrestleMania 13, okay? But they advertised a match, right? They're like, we're going to have a match next week. It's bad television when you tell your audience that and then you don't even give them, you know, and then the match doesn't happen. Even, whether you don't mention it or you give them a lame excuse, you know, like the iconics are, you know, oh they're feigning injury again. It, it's it's bad television, folks. Yeah. So you know, to me, I think with SmackDown, I mean, this wild card rule is just hurts them. Justin, rip on the wild card rule again, please. It's,
0: it stinks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and and it's we're going to be talking about Paul Heyman, a pure person like having this wild card rule and Vince. Still being the end-all, be-all, obviously. And by the way, where is Eric Bischoff? Did he get lost in Poughkeepsie? (laughs) Nobody's talking about him, yeah. (laughs) I mean, where's this guy that was hired? Um, I I know he needs some time to settle in, but I mean, geez. Uh, Like, what is the point of having, like, you know, Heyman being these, like, separate, like, creative directors if the the talent they're going to have is intermingled? intermingling that could be a disaster mm. what if heyman has got an idea for one guy and bishop use them totally different the talent i mean ultimately it's vince's call so you know maybe that's not gonna be that big of an issue but
0: yeah i do I, I agree with you i i think you know Heyman could have a great idea for something and you know probably not so much bischoff but vince is just gonna step on it i mean just he's gonna the SmackDown main events not gonna feel big enough and and he's gonna do something or write something that completely eliminates, you know, whatever Paul did on Raw. Or
1: just the what the writers for either of these you know, for SmackDown have in mind for a couple of weeks. You know, they probably have an idea where they're gonna go in a couple of weeks. And if Vince comes and rewrites it, the writer's like, fuck, well, I guess I'm not gonna be able to do that next week, what I already had planned back to the drawing board.
3: So what you're saying, it's it's a toxic working environment, Kyle. I'm sorry. It sounds like you a toxic working environment.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it's so funny. You know, I, I, I talked to our patron that suggested bat, this backlash show, too, and we were joking back and forth how that was really the period where it was very clear WWE learned from none of WCW's mistakes. <laughs> that brought the pro promotion. And what did we always hear during that, when, when WCW really started hitting the skids? Bischoff's writing the show, rewriting the show. Well, in his case, I think he was writing it the first time, uh, you know, right before airtime. I mean, folks, you got to make these decisions days in advance because then you get your scrambled around talent. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They certainly don't, don't know what they're doing the next week. So it's just, I just wanted to say that like, you know, people are probably like, what the hell's going on with SmackDown? What's the quality control there? Are they not writing good scripts? I just think it's, it's more byproduct of the shitty wildcard rule. And, you know, some of the stuff in there, you know, the stuff that was clearly, you know, stayed in the script was some of the, at least one thing I should say was the best thing on the show. The Orton Kofi package. I thought that was outstanding.
3: Yeah, no, that was really good. Um, it's a lot better than the uh Trish Charlotte stuff, I'd have to say. Okay. I'm glad you threw that out.
1: Because how inorganic has that build been? Let, let, let's retrace our steps. You had Charlotte lose to Ember Moon on a banana peel finish last week. And then she's like, I'm gonna, I want a bigger match for SummerSlam. Okay. You know, I talked about, well, you know, maybe th- does that kind of, you know make the SmackDown women's title not seem like a big deal. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'm just nitpicky there. But then like Trish Stratus just randomly shows up. <laughs> like, d- did you listen to some of Jerry Lawler's phrasing in that promo? I bring this up because Jerry probably didn't write his own stuff. They, they like threw this thing in there. It's like, oh, Trish, I know you'd have really loved to be at Raw reunion. Do we think, because it may- would have made sense that Trish was supposed to be at Raw reunion, and that's how they were going to shoot this angle initially. And she, because they didn't alert her in enough time, she's like, uh, "I'm on vacation with my family."
3: Then, and no, probably because it didn't really make much sense how they kept working that in. Like, oh yeah, I was on vacation with my kids, and uh, and he's like, oh, you know, everyone there was saying they'd like to have one more match again. You know, hint, hint. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was awkward. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, that, that uh, was not, just, not that uh, great, but Orton Kofi was, I, I really like that too.
1: Do we always have to, when it's these feuds with, with the women now, it seems when it's like any of like the current generation of women versus anyone who was with the promotion, like before 2015, it's got, it, does every storyline have to be, you know, you're a trailblazer now, but there would have been no trail to blaze if it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I feel that's like every woman's storyline now. So yeah, yeah. I, I I don't, I don't. Well,
0: you know, in their defense, it's just as bad as the, the storyline for both women's titles right now, too.
1: The Bailey Ember Moon feud is very bad. Why did Ember Moon lose?
0: Yeah. To Alexa? yeah, that's ridiculous.
1: And when Bailey did that belly to belly or uh, pardon me, the Bailey to Bailey afterwards and then just was like gave this like the crowd like that oh shut you know i just, I just had to give her the bailey to bailey you know how it is in the wwe i i couldn't help but listen to the the words of ryan droste in my head
3: with this bailey needs to eat, turn heel yeah it seems like it's a slow burn though like they're they're getting to it it, it feels like it, especially on smackdown this week God, but, uh, it,
1: it almost just felt like, oh, shut, like, not like I'm certain, tur- like, that's what you get. It was just like, oh, you know, you got to take your opportunities here in WWE. It was, yeah. it kinda, it was just real lame.
0: You know, and, the, and then on Raw, you have Becky Lynch attacking a seemingly somebody who's being portrayed as a baby face who is just practicing countering the move of her opponent. So Becky attacks her out of nowhere, and, and you know, and then. Uh,
3: so I like this one because it harkens back to 1997 for me and the usa canada because they they clearly know natty's gonna get cheered and so they're is playing she? oh yeah hundred have you seen in the social media stuff i mean they're they're playing right into this everything they've been doing with the promos and becky's been playing a heel on social media with uh oh. you need to improve your flag with what we're gonna put the shamrock over I the maple that. leaf like it's she's clearly working heel that so they're, okay. they're they're playing into it that she's going to be the heel in the match.
0: Can that I doesn't ask a seem question? to be the best usage of your hottest baby face. Thank women. you. That's the problem, <laughs> though. She's
3: not hot right now. We've talked We talked about it last week on the show. Like Becky Lynch you just has give taken up and a make her a heel. No, no, no. no. I, just I... for one night. It's a one night thing. Clearly, uh, the shows in Canada. They don't run Canada that much. But Becky has been not close to as over as she was before. I mean, she's not the hottest baby face. On in WWE, which she was at one point in the women's division.
1: Woman. I think she still is. Who's a better baby face right now? It ain't Bailey. And by the way, there it's re- I there's not a lot of
3: competition. Week. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, it, as as far as the whole brand goes, I mean, go back to the Royal Rumble. She was the hottest baby face in the entire promotion. Like she's, yeah. it's really rolled back at this. Who point. Who is the hottest baby face of the promotion right now? Kofi for sure. Sensei. Kofi. Okay. Yeah, but. um I think I think it's I think they're playing into it. I think it's actually I think it's a lot more interesting what's happening on SmackDown just because of the dynamic of the USA Canada stuff. And honestly, the best stuff that's happened with the feud has been on social media and not on TV. It's been like the oh, barbs are exchanging was, on Twitter. That was
1: Bailey or that uh, pardon me, that was Becky, you know, in the Ronda build up too.
3: Yeah. So they're doing the same thing. Although I did think okay, my problem with what happened on Raw was that they spent this time Making Nikki Cross into like a legitimate threat, you know, in the buildup with the Alexa stuff with Bailey. And then all of a sudden, likeable and yeah. sympathetic. Yep. So then all of a sudden, you know, they do this match where um, on Raw, Alexa gets injured. The match is over. And then Nikki wants to jump into like avenge Alexa and Nikki gets beat like pretty soundly. Why? Like if, if they were just going to have Natty run out, there's no reason to do that at all. They could have just had her run out after what happened with Alexa and um, Becky. So t- to me, the, that was the thing I didn't like. But I feel like it's a lot more creative what's going on there versus what's been happening on SmackDown, just because they've been working the social media stuff in the the Canadian hero stuff with Becky and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of into the storyline. It's it's certainly better than what they've been doing with Ember Moon and Bailey. Bailey is just far, DOA right now. I feel like
1: as far as how. Becky's being portrayed thats always kind of been her character you know that she's just going to take a shot I mean remember how she got popular in the first place she stormed in raw and attacked Ronda Rousey so I didn't really have necessarily an issue with that I, I just well, I mean kind the, of the had... issue
3: is with Nikki Cross why, why she took the L so one-sided there was like there's no purpose oh in well that. no
1: no I I was just I was going back to what Justin said about the angle where she attacked an Addie.
3: Oh, okay. You no, know, but they yeah. show that
1: like yeah. I I actually, I didn't have that big of a problem with that. You're right. They didn't need to have Nikki eat an L. I just I think it's odd kind of how they've been portraying Nikki. Maybe they're just gonna play a long game, I guess, and go back to you know, which isn't the worst thing in the world if they have her and Alexa continue to be friends and then do the breakup. The breakups work better when you establish the friendship anyway. Mm-hmm. Um my issue with Becky and Natty. Is very simple. I just don't know, and Justin said it, I don't know why you really put Becky in that position because you presume she's going to win. I'm not so sure. Right? I'm not so sure. God bless you, but I I just, that (laughs) would be bad. That would be bad.
3: Well, okay. So Becky, though, is like, again, she's lost so much momentum. You just have her carrying on a champion? What's that? You just have her carry on as champion for another month. Like, don't you do something to spice it up a little bit? I mean, it's not like if she drops the title, it's going to be a long-term thing.
1: I would not have her lose to daddy. No, I, I would, I would put my foot down in that booking meeting. I say, no way.
0: I got to say generally, generally when you two disagree, I I side with Ryan, but I I think I agree with Kyle on this one. I mean, you guys both
3: think that the Becky Lynch title run right now is running strong.
0: No, I think it has certainly cooled off since before.
3: I wouldn't give up but, on it,
0: but yeah, I wouldn't give up on it, and I I don't see how Natty beating her. for What's the time Natty
1: gonna ready? do
3: as champion? No, it's not about her being champion; it's about changing the pace, and you put Becky back into a, a chase mode to heat her up again. So she's been champion for well, let's see, she's been she's been and exclusive since uh, Money
1: in the Bank. Yeah, yeah.
3: So so four and a half months. I mean, you just continue on like you've been doing when she noticeably has been losing steam. I don't know. We talked I about it on the it, show I last think, I think
1: it's about challengers
3: to me. She has not had good challengers to work with. Okay. This might I mean, with the Canada stuff, it's it's one of the better feuds she's had since she's been champion, I think. But um Well, I mean, yes, compared to the Lacey Evans feud. <laughs> which went on which too long. Was, which wasn't good. Um
1: but no, and then, I think
3: yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I don't know. I'm not i I'm not so sold on it. I mean, we, t- we talked about this on the show last week. They got two Canadians in matches. Clearly, they're going to want to give one of them a victory. I'd rather so, it be this one than Trish Stratus so, over okay. Charlotte Flair.
0: But, you know, what happened? So you have Natty win in Toronto, and you get a one-night pop, and then what?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's not like the USA-Canada feud. One of the things, it was a happy accident that really made that work, is WWE had a bunch of Canadian dates. Over the summer of 97. Where That's they That's why ran I Raw. said
3: this wouldn't be a long-term thing. I said it would be sh- very short-term just to heat Becky up again.
1: So, like, you have her lose and can't? I mean, what, do you mean? You have her come out, like, waving the red, white, and blue on Raw one week? and
3: No, it is I mean, not even... That wouldn't even that, make... That <laughs> is only going to be part of the story for SummerSlam, obviously. But it puts Becky back... Okay, they've done two things with this. They've established Natty as someone who is serious after years of terrible booking and being a goof that comes out wearing cat ears to someone that's from a legendary wrestling family that, you know, can hold her own in the ring. Uh, I think they're reestablishing her as someone to take seriously, but at the same time it can spice up Becky Lynch again. And so again, I, it could be like a one month thing, a two month thing, but I, I'm not, like, super against it. I, I, I still am not... When push comes to shove, I wouldn't bet on the title change. But I'm not so sure it's, like, 90% that Becky retains. Especially with the show in Canada. I don't know.
1: Well, I I, I think it was the show that Justin and I did. I That was one of three eye rolls I did.
3: Um, at that time, of- yeah. Frick at contenders. that time, admittedly. And I agreed with you, too. But I do think... It's gotten more interesting mo- again, mostly due to what the two of them have done on social media over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I don't know, like, if you think, if you honestly think Becky Lynch's title run has lost a lot of steam, then to just press on as champion, another title defense, another victory, that's not a recipe for success. You got to change it up a little bit. So I just, I just see it as a way to to put her back into chase mode and to maybe make her, you know, a little more interesting once more. We'll see. But, uh, Bring I mean, Ronda back. What's that? Bring Ronda back. Oh, that's going to be a while. It appears. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I, mean,
1: I, I think, I think we're kind of learning by the way. I think we're seeing that. I hope some people are understanding the value of Ronda Rousey. Cause I think that is, um, to be honest, is a big thing because I I don't think Becky is hat you know they just people didn't buy Lacey Evans as a worthy yeah. adversary and, and Becky just didn't have that fire she's kind of rediscovered a little bit of that fire in that feud what what got her over in the first place um I I would not take the title offer
3: someone I saw someone on Twitter float the idea of after SummerSlam you bring up Shayna Baszler and have her feud with Bailey. And I'm thinking like, Oh my God, no way. Because Baszler comes up as a heel and Bailey needs to turn heel. And it made me think of the discussions we had after mania that Baszler would have been the natural person. She should have been in Lacey Evans.
1: She should have been in Lacey Evans. Yes, absolutely.
3: Yes. But I, I saw that idea float. I'm thinking like, that would be awful. I hope not. But, uh, All right, let's move. Let's hit this last topic point with Raw and Paul Heyman. Kyle, you want to uh, introduce this one?
1: Okay, so we talked
3: about, I'm glad Justin actually
1: said something too that um, will tie into this earlier. So you've been hearing the phrase Heyman's fingerprints, or I guess reading it a lot uh, on the internet recently. And I want to know, moving forward, is Heyman's fingerprints going to affect how Raw is received? Ie, because the internet likes Paul Heyman, so are reviewers of Raw going to be less negative if it's perceived that it's Paul's doing? Like, if what they're seeing, oh, that's that that that's a Paul, that's Paul's fingerprints. You know, I like Raw now because that's Paul's fingerprints. You know, because um, I'll be honest with you, you know, we were told by Dave Meltzer, who is connected to Paul. Oh, this Monday, it's going to be the most heavy Heyman fingerprint show yet. I didn't think it, outside of that closing angle, which was definitely a, a Heyman thing, where you just have a wild brawl guys coming out, I didn't think the show was
3: particularly novel or even good. No, I, I agree. I didn't think it was too much to write home about. <laughs> what, what do we think, though,
1: about, because like, I don't know if you guys listen, bother to listening to Wrestling Observer Radio. This is what got me thinking about this. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Um, and, you know, you know, Dave seemed like he was trying a little harder to, to explain some of them angles that we were seeing on Monday night. You know, we're like, oh, well, this was the idea that they had kind of like rather, you know, if it wasn't Paul Heyman, maybe he would have been a little more critical perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm out of line for saying that. I don't know.
0: and You know. I wonder how much everybody's just overestimating how much, you know, Paul has on, you know, control over all this stuff.
1: Remember when Bruce Pritchard came back and like, people, Oh, that's Bruce. That's Bruce right there. That's Bruce's finger. You know, it's like, you're right. Just at the end of the day, you know, Vince has the final say. So, you know, you, you can mic we can micromanage the stuff and look for Heyman's fingerprints, Bischoff's fingerprints, Bruce Pritchard's fingerprints, whoever OJ's fingerprints. But the bottom line is, you know, it's we know who's calling the final shots here.
0: Yeah. But, I yeah. mean, it's not one person, you know, Raw's just mm-hmm. getting bukaki done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, is the raw tag team title picture now solely based on Contract situation, (laughs) because, you know, we know the Revival have not resigned, but they have been given title runs sort of in an effort to maybe nudge them to the Usos. Same thing happened with them where they were given a title run and did resign. And now Anderson and Gallows resign and they get the tag <laughs> titles. Is that what it's boiled down to? Is the raw tag team title picture being determined solely by contract status or what's going on here? I'm, I'm that, just that wondering
3: title? Yeah, I'm just wondering who the new champs are gonna feud with because there's not a lot of babyface options outside of the Usos, and uh I don't see them going to that one right now. Well, Street Profits I have to drop
1: the NXT tag titles and they're gonna do they're presumably going to do that SummerSlam weekend.
0: What are the um, I don't know writers? if there's gonna be it. Yeah, I mean, them up
1: too. That... yeah I mean, they're building them up, too. Yeah, I mean, they're building them up, too. I mean,
0: have they been more portrayed as uh, baby faces or heels or just squash They haven't right.
3: really given them. Yeah, either way, I don't think kind of neutral yeah. right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I heard the Street Profits. That's, you know, there's still NXT talent. And they're not going to wrestle for the foreseeable future on Raw, that they're just being used for these backstage segments. And it's a, a way to get people to tune into NXT. And that they're entertaining. Well, no,
1: they're they're up. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're they're going they're going to RAW. I think Heyman wanted
3: him on RAW. He did want him on RAW, but it was it was made explicitly clear when they were on RAW that it was not a call up. That was the term used that it's not an official call-up. They're still NXT talent. And you know, they've they, well, they yeah, haven't they're wa-
1: the NXT, well obviously because of the NXT tag champions. Well yeah, but, but
3: mean- they they were they were not considering this a call-up of them, that they were just being used for backstage segments out of entertainment to bring attention to NXT. And uh I mean, that was that was pretty much it. I mean they haven't worked they haven't even worked a dark match at Raw that I'm aware of.
1: No, I know, but I mean they're not exactly like hyping like, NXT, though.
3: But it's like I mean, the fact that they're the NXT champions on Raw. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, do, do you think that they're going to be NXT champions after the SummerSlam t- takeover Toronto?
3: I have no idea. I mean, I, I would like for okay. them to be brought up and start working Raw, hopefully. Okay. I Maybe mean, I'm pretty, I, I, mean end, I just but. kind
1: of assumed that, that that was the deal, that they just didn't want to beat them as NXT tag team champions on television. So... They're just going to kind of wait, and they're going to lose the NXT tag titles in Toronto, and then probably be brought up to Raw right after SummerSlam.
0: Boy, that really, was always
1: kind of the
3: impression I.
0: That really hurts the tag division in NXT, though, I and mean, that's already pretty thin at the moment.
3: Yeah, and there was just there was just a report about this, and I'm trying to find it.
0: Um, well,
1: I mean, it just it also plays to the thing about the undisputed era getting all the gold too i mean i i don't we i mean NXT's will be previewing that show also next week but um yeah
3: it was last it was last week's um so the, the most recent wrestling observer newsletter said there's no plans for the street profits to wrestle on raw anytime soon so the fact that they appear on the monday night program holding their nxt tag team championship belts is seen as a positive and an advertisement for the nxt brand the hope is that it entices more people to seek out nxt if they find the duo entertaining so no, i mean that was melter he said no plans for them to wrestle on raw anytime quote anytime what, soon what does so, anytime soon mean i mean who knows a month <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean yeah i'd mean, I mean, right say it could be, if, it,
1: if it's if it's four weeks we're both right i guess so but my but um, again
3: my my initial point is that there's not a lot of babyface tag teams to work with oc on raw
1: well, i mean there's right not now. i mean
3: but the whole, what, the whole problem with splitting the tag divisions is
1: you all that that, that problem always happens. But you, you know often,
0: what's also weird is like you have guys that are either not being used or just being used for the twenty four seven title. I mean, throw two guys together. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's an easy fix. There's a lot of talent that aren't getting enough time. I mean, how often do we get to see EC three, who's a great talent? You know, Chad Gable, who I like to confuse with. His dad, dad, Dan Gable. <laughs> Are you <laughs> setting up my
3: segue right now for that one?
1: <laughs> right, I just, I did want to, I, one more thing on Raw. One yep. more thing on Raw. Did I not see a Brock Lesnar send Seth Rollins to the hospital or a medical facility, since this is wrestling, in an ambulance like two months ago? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I just wanted to make sure about that. I, I thought like, you know the whole thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I've seen this act before. I know it was, in, they, you know, again, another guy, a guy who I think definitely was lost. Team Seth Rollins. Um, you know, I know you, some don't want to say that, you know, fellow Iowan, but you know, I think he had lost, and they were trying to draw some sympathy on him in that segment. But I was just like, Jesus, we we, we just saw that, and it's so weird with the Becky, that you know, the relationship. They both times they've had her just sort of standing there looking forlorn, like lord knows if i'm on a stretcher being put in it's i hope my wife would be a little more upset than just sort of standing there being like oh there he goes
3: <laughs> yeah good point
1: it, it, it's like they it's like they kind of want to taunt you with like oh look this is so serious because his real girlfriend's watching but she's not selling it really at all so it's kind of pointless to do
0: i i enjoyed the angle Granted, I have kind of been on strike for the most part lately, so I don't even remember Lesnar sending him to the hospital. Uh, I thought this was really good. You know, the F5s on on the standing chair uh, mm-hmm. was great, and uh, the shot of the uh, ambulance stopping. Then you get uh, go to Brock standing right in front of it. I, I just enjoyed that shot, that moment, uh, and then the the other F5 onto the stretcher. I, I thought it was all done. Really well. Now, I don't know where it leads. I have some deep concerns. Like, boy, my first thought when, uh, uh, what was it? They were stretching Rollins out, and then you had Roman right there. I was like, ah, crap. Roman's going to replace Seth at SummerSlam to take on Lesnar. I thought that was going to be the beginning of that. But I don't know. Hopefully, with the cheesy shenanigans on SmackDown, that means I'm rocking. I predicted weeks ago. That I didn't think this was gonna actually end up, you know, a one-on-one Lesnar Rollins match.
3: That is That's true. Though. Very true. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, hopefully we'll know the official card after TV next week when we preview SummerSlam. Uh Justin mentioned Dan Gable. A lot of matches. Yeah, Justin mentioned Dan Gable real quick. I want to mention that uh had the opportunity to go to the George Tragos Luthes Hall of Fame weekend here in Iowa. Last weekend at the Dan Gable uh, Museum or in conjunction with the Dan Gable Museum, Justin and I went to the indie show on Friday night where there's always a lot of legends. Uh, I went to the Hall of Fame banquet on Saturday night, um, which saw Beth Phoenix inducted saw Bruno San Martino inducted Uh Sergeant Slaughter was there to get an award. Uh, they gave Daniel Cormier an award, although he couldn't be there because he fights on UFC in just a couple of weeks. He's in training, but uh, Jerry Briscoe accepted that award. Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson was there to get an award an old wrestler from the sixties and seventies. And uh, it's just a really cool weekend. I know Justin and I are really trying to get Kyle to come out next year or some year in the future, but uh Hard pressed to find an event, maybe outside of like the Cauliflower Alley Club, where you have so many legends in one place at the same time and just so accessible. Um, you know, you can walk around downtown Waterloo, Iowa, and you see all these guys just in a hotel bar. Uh, I also should mention my good friend Brian Shields was there. He got a uh, journalism award. He's written several books for WWE and worked on the WWE video games. Uh, he was also there. Really good to see him. Hoping to get him on an upcoming edition of Top Rope Nation, by the way. Um, but, you know, uh, Justin and I are walking around and uh, like we see Jerry Briscoe, of course. Sergeant Slaughter was there. B. Brian Blair was there. Um, you name it. I mean, tons, tons of guys. I saw uh, WWE referee, the old referee, Tim White, Andre the Giant's best friend. Saw him several times over the weekend. And in fact, shared a, beers with him for about 45 minutes. That guy could tell some stories. Justin.
0: He, he did not him. appreciate my Yankees. Head that that is
3: true. He's a big Red Sox fan uh, from Rhode Island. And uh, it's just. It's it's a really, really cool weekend. Charlie Fez was there. You know, her husband, the namesake of the of the museum. And uh, Charlie uh, Luthez's widow, Charlie Fez, was there. She's always there. Uh, it's just. It's something you should try if you live in the Midwest, at least. Something you should try to get to at least once because uh, it is just a, a really, really cool scenario. Natty was there with Beth, Beth Phoenix. I, uh, Beth. Uh, Sheamus was there for one day.
0: What, one little tidbit that I thought was interesting at the uh, actual wrestling event we went to on Friday night. Uh, Beth Phoenix was there for I don't know about an hour, um, you know, taking pictures and signing autographs. Didn't charge anything unlike uh, a lot of the other legends that were there. I just thought that was really cool that she was just doing all that stuff for free. Granted, you know, maybe she's getting paid through other means, but
3: yeah, someone, who was it? Uh, I heard some of the people donated their, uh, their autograph money, like entirely to the museum. And then, uh, and then they matched it. Who was that? I can't, can't remember who it was now. Someone donated all their autograph money. And then, um, And then match it them. Oh, that was Sergeant Slaughter. That's right. Match it themselves. Scratch
1: golfer. Sergeant
3: Slaughter, by the way. So um Scratch (laughs) Golfer. Yeah, it's just it's the ceremony itself on Saturday nights really cool. You dress up. It's 60 bucks a plate, but you get, you know, a, a meal, you get to see the whole induction. It's improved. So this the Hall of Fame, it started back in 99. It used to be located in uh, Newton, Iowa, and then they moved it up to Waterloo in 2007. So Waterloo is the hometown of Dan Gable probably the greatest amateur collegiate wrestler in U.S. history. It's also where the NWA was formed in uh, 1948. So it's got some good wrestling history, obviously. And it's a bigger city than Newton, so they figured it was a a good location for it. And I can tell you, I went to the final induction ceremony in 2006 that was in Newton. Bret Hart was there. Ted DiBiase was there. Terry Funk was there. And the induction banquet was held uh, at a hotel and like a banquet room right next to the pool. And there was no air conditioning. It was just awful. And now people are wearing like suits and ties. It's in a convention center. They got like professional lighting on the walls. You know, they got video screens. It's a really, really cool production. Um, so, I mean, I can't I can't say enough about it. It was a lot of fun. Um, who else is there? Baron Von Raschke was there. Tony Gurria. He's always there every single year. Uh, Tony Garea came up on our podcast a few weeks ago, and our uh, Tony Garea broke up right? every
1: yeah, Tony Tony Gurria broke up every brawl in WWE. I think from 1987 to you know, <laughs> yeah.
3: 1995. Brian Pillman Jr. wrestled on the indie show. He was there. I mean, lots and lots of names. So uh, had a really good time. It was fun to see Justin there uh, to go to the show with him, as it always is. To uh, partake in some adult beverages late into the evening on Friday. Justin,
0: yeah. r- speaking of which. Uh, I ran into a guy I uh, went to high school with and we had some beers with him and uh, me and Ryan decided to go to the Ramada Inn bar to see if there was anybody there. While uh, my buddy from high school went on to the local strip club where apparently uh, Brian Pillman Jr. was a hit with the dancers there. Uh, And we went to the bar and, you know, uh, B. Brian Blair was there and Victoria was there. And uh, we eventually... Mr. Marie
3: Varon, if you...
0: Yeah. Uh, We eventually left, but I got a message from my buddy the next day saying he was up till 530 in the morning partying with Victoria and B. Brian Blair. And the (laughs) only reason it ended was because she had to go to the airport. So come next year, come to Waterloo and, you know, maybe you get a party with some legends. (laughs) That story was
3: backed up by a friend of mine who I met at the museum who was shuttling a lot of the wrestlers to the airport. And he told me he picked up Victoria the next morning and uh, that she hadn't gone to sleep so (laughs) corroborated
1: that's that's the kind of behavior i like i advocate that's you know that's when boy that's when the boys were boys (laughs) back in the day leave it leave it to the legends oh yeah already right that's right no crossfit and video games for this
3: group (laughs) speaking of legends kyle i think it's time I think I might know your inspiration for choosing this, but I'll let you tell. Um, it's yep. time for the Kyle Ross I Love the Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take it away.
1: Uh, first off, in an unrelated note, uh, David Axelrod stinks. I Wanted to say that randomly on this podcast.
2: Okay. <laughs> Kyle stinks. got the debate out on the background.
1: Stinks a huge, huge job. Um, now, secondly, um, people should, if they haven't seen it again, two oh five live. Uh, produced quality entertainment this week. Drake Maverick and Mike Canellis was great. Drake Maverick is such a great performer. It, it's really a cool thing to see him succeeding uh, at that level. But the deep dive of the week. We're going to go back to 1994 for this one. And my inspiration, as Ryan alluded to, came from our Top Rope Classics edition of Super Bowl 2 We were talking a little Larry Zabisco, who was involved on that show in a great tag team match. He and Steve Austin wrestled uh, the phenomenal team of Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. And we kind of got into a discussion about Larry about, you know, how when he was a commentator in the Nitro era, he wasn't really that far removed from having a lot of great matches, quite frankly. And Larry's last great match took place on WCW Saturday night, May 28th, a TV title match against Lord Steven Regal, who, of course, is mean, a god among men. Let's just not sugarcoat that one bit. So that is the deep dive of the week. Steve Regal, Larry Zabisco, TV title, WCW tonight. You're going to have to hit up YouTube. It's not on the network, folks. Uh, YouTube or Daily Motion it. It is available. Watch it. Larry Zabisco's last great match as a baby
3: face, obviously, if he's working Lord Steven. Very nice. I like it. Always gives me something to watch as I'm editing this yeah. broadcast. And yeah. and he, uh, if
1: you can find him, too, if you really want to go deep, you know, try to search, find some of Larry's promos leading up to that. Really good. Really good. Nice.
3: All right. Well, we'll Love check that, that out. WCW. Yeah. Oh, me too. Definitely. I'm going back and watching the TV after doing that, uh, top rope nation classic. So, mm-hmm. all right, guys. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the broadcast this week. Mm-hmm. It's been a busy week for the podcast. Again, like I said, at the top of the show, check out the Patreon page, uh, go ahead and get your entry in for our raffle of the very rare, sold-out San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Randy Savage Slim Jim figure. That's for the month of August. If you sign up, you'll get an entry if you're at the $5 tier. And you'll get all that bonus content. You can hear our Super Brawl 2 show, which was just probably my favorite of the, of the Top Rope Nation classic shows we've done so far. You can check them all out over at patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Got to throw the uh, thank you out again to the producers of the show, Derek, Kyle, Tim, Forrest, Sean, Gabe, Carlo, and Liam. Thank you for your support of Top Rope Nation. Uh, Justin and Kyle, always a pleasure. Thank you, And I have
1: an idea for Septembers, by the way. For the giveaway? What's that? For the giveaway or for the the classics? The the Top Rope Classic. I I have an idea that I'll bring up off air, see if you guys like it. Sounds good to me.
0: So we're we're getting mysteries and AEW and WWE and finally here at Top Rope Nation, a little mystery. <laughs>
3: yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, a bunch right, of stuff's gonna fall over on me right now, by the way, and I'm never gonna be able to tell you guys what my idea is. <laughs> uh all right. Well, you can check him out at TRP Kyle. You can check out at Justin Joint. That's J-O-Y-N-T. And I am at Ryan Drosti, D-R-O-S-T-E. The show is at Top Rope Nation. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can catch us next week. Check out the archives. Send us an email, Nation at gmail.com. See you next week. Have a good weekend.
2: Right here. Right here is symbolic of what it's all about. This is the world's heavyweight title. And when I say this, I mean it in all sincerity. The world's heavyweight title, held by Harley Race, not once but twice, over half of my life devoted to what I do better than any other human being in wrestling. I am not going to allow any human being to insult me or this when I say that, I mean it in dead sincerity. When I walk in that ring, I'm walking in there as world's heavyweight champion. I'm walking in there to defend what I hold probably more close than any other man has ever held. This is my life. You've heard your Ric Flares talk about being cock of the walk You've heard your Thunderbolt Pattersons. You've heard them all, Ole Anderson. They all talk about being the man. Flair parades around saying that he is the ultimate man. Well, buddy, this is symbolic of being everything that any human being ever wanted to be. That man is Harley Race. And for one of those individuals that I've mentioned or the various others to beat me, then let them walk around and claim to be what they are. You're looking at the world's heavyweight champion, the man that can truthfully say that he can beat any man in the world.